What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's September 17, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn episode 53. In this episode, I'll be talking about exactly how to time your carbohydrate intake if you're on a low-carb diet and why you need to stop doing touch-and-go deadlifts. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Okay, so since this is a fitness podcast, I figured a good first topic would be, well, the gym. I worked out alone for all of my workouts. I probably had two rest days, though, this week, just because of other sports and other uh, other extracurricular activities I had throughout the week, but it was a solid week of training, I think. I was busy on some mornings this week, and I actually had some trouble waking up for my usual 5 or 6 a.m. workout because I've been sleeping later than I should be lately. So I did have this one upper body day where I was working out at like 4 p.m. just before the rush hour craze. And as I was benching, this guy was asking me how many sets I had left. I think I had two at that point. Then he literally just stood there and watched me bench, which, I mean, that was fine. But then afterwards, he told me that I'm the first person that he's seen that has benched more than two plates. I don't know, I thought that was pretty cool. I think I was doing 265 that day too. Oh yeah, actually, I know, oh, I for sure was hitting 265 because the sets went up pretty smoothly, actually, until my last rep. I got a little cocky since all the other reps were pretty easy, so I decided to go for a pause rep on the last rep. Oh oh my god, that was such a bad idea. It was such a grinder. I almost dropped it, honestly, but I ended up thankfully pushing out that rep, but man, that was one of the toughest reps I've had in a while. It was a battle. Definitely should not have gone for the pause rep there, but I felt like I had more in the tank than what actually happened. And then same day, actually, after that, just like a few minutes later, I was doing back now at this point, and there was another guy who was asking me how long it took for me to get to uh, benching two plates on the bench press or whatever. I think this guy was benching beside me, but he asked me afterwards. So I told him about two years it took me, but then I also said that, you know what, for everybody it's different. I also told him that tracking is going to be important when it comes to strength progression. I mean, I'm just saying to him basically what I've said on here like hundreds of times. The thing is, he started to back away from the convo after I told him that. I think he was just so uninterested. Like, So I didn't really know if it sunk in, but I hope it did. Because that's honestly the best advice I could give someone. Uh, yeah, it could be boring. Or maybe it uses up too much of your time to track the progress, but 
I mean, you know what takes up a lot more of your time is working out with no plan. You're basically just walking around in a circle at that point. Again, look at your progress monthly, not just every single gym session, because you are going to have ups and downs in your training. I've been there where you just go into the gym and you just go by feel all the time, and that's why I preach about tracking workouts all the time, because it helps you progress, man. I even had a conversation with my client who felt like he was plateauing or not gaining any strength because he thought it wasn't happening fast enough. So yeah, I had to sit him down, reflect on what we've done lately. The guy's finally benching over one plate for the first time in his life consistently, squatting pretty much more than ever and deadlifting more than ever, so it didn't even make sense to me really. Literally every exercise, we're in new territory completely, so... I don't even know why he thought about that. I even told him that even increasing five pounds weekly, I think I've said this here too, that's generally the progress that we're on right now actually. So that's huge, a five pound increase per week. Obviously it's not going to stay like that forever, but if you were to increase a lift like five pounds per week, that's more than 250 pounds a year. Like I said, obviously you're not going to be 5 pounds stronger every single week, but those little increases are huge over time. Alright, so let's just continue on with some more activity I did this week. Again, the weekly tradition, hit the golf course, another 18 holes near me. I went with my buddy this time, who I actually, I train him, but I've known the guy since grade 2. We hit an 18 hole in the morning, this was just yesterday actually, and we just started out, the two of us, so that was actually good to start. I ended up having three pars overall, and the first hole was one of those pars that I had. But as we started to get into playing, this group behind us, there were four of them, and they were just rushing us, which got annoying after a certain point. They kept telling us to like hurry up or whatever which is fine if we were going slow, but we weren't really. Also, their group had carts, while we decided to walk the whole 18 holes, so that did slow us down a little bit. But it was pretty unnecessary that they were starting to hit golf balls in our general area, since they were getting tired of waiting. So after the first 9 holes me and my buddy played, we ended up catching up to these two who were in front of us, And they were probably around the same age as us, so we just asked them if we could hop in and play the round with them since the group behind us was just annoying. And then they quickly found out how annoying they were since they kept on rushing us, all of us four, and hitting balls in our direction again the whole time. And I'm not going to lie, there were times where we did slow down a little bit on purpose, but seriously, the group behind us could have just took it easy for like 10 minutes or something, like take a water break instead of hitting balls in our, like in our general area. It was just annoying. But other than that, honestly, it was a great time with my buddy and those other two and going into the last hole. Okay, here we go. I had a chance to break a hundred. I had this putt from the fringe about two, uh, I was about to say 200, about 20 feet away to save par get that solid 99 and it just was not meant to be i actually did have a pretty good putt though ended up hitting like yeah it was like within a foot so it didn't go in so yeah i did end up getting 100 exactly so i was so close to breaking 100 this time but 
Whatever, I hit the ball surprisingly well that day, and plus I only lost one golf ball the whole day, so that was definitely something to celebrate. And speaking of celebrating, hopefully tonight I'm celebrating advancing to the next round in the softball playoffs. So later tonight I have a softball game to play, and that one has to go well. So last week we had a game Thursday night. I don't think I talked about this yet, or I don't think I talked about this last week, but last week was the first playoff game. The second one's tonight, and there's like an aggregate run scoring system, like how soccer is, I think. So one of the uh, so sorry. So out of the two games, whoever's winning goes on to advance. Tonight, though, we actually have to win by at least six runs since we lost by five last week. And last week was actually a pretty high-scoring game, actually. I actually hit for the cycle last week, which was sick, even though we lost. I still remember just absolutely crushing this ball last week, and I just watched it go over the fence. You're damn right I admired it. So I'm going to have to hit a few uh, moonshots tonight, so hopefully this morning's upper body workout doesn't put a damper at my performance for later. But honestly, it's just softball anyway, so I'm not really too stressed about it. Moving on from that. Okay, so late last week, there was the PlayStation Showcase. And I didn't get to talk about it last week, since I think this happened after I had already recorded last week's podcast. So I'll try to get through this part quickly for those who really do not care about video games at all. So first off, there's going to be a Star Wars KOTOR remake, or Knights of the Old Republic, I think. And this one's coming to the PS5 and I think PC, which is actually kind of shocking because the original game, I think, came out on Xbox. It is just a timed exclusive, though, which means it'll find its way to other platforms eventually. I'm probably going to get that one, but maybe not on the first day. But I heard the original was good, and... It was at the top of the PS5 subreddit, like right after the announcement, so there's a lot of hype with that one. Forspoken. Okay, more about that one again. I'll have to see more about that one, and I'm going to need to see the reviews before I buy it. I do like it, it looks nice, and I might be biased because it's made by Square Enix, who makes great games like Final Fantasy, but I'll have to see more. The voice acting looked pretty bad, but I guess that's something they can clean up or fix before the game is actually going to hit the market or whatever. At the event was also Grand Theft Auto. Yes, GTA again. It's actually pretty unbelievable how much they can milk this game before releasing an actual new one. Like, where is GTA 6? I heard some rumors about it, but still no official announcement for that one, unless I'm behind on the times or something. There was also a new God of War Ragnarok trailer, which showed off some gameplay. That one looks good. The next one, or sorry, this next one is the last God of War in Norse history, or something like that, and there's been a fat Thor picture that's been circulating the web a bit. I think even some strongman came out and said that the fat Thor is like peak male performance, so that was funny that he chimed in about that. I just finished playing the latest uh, God of War that's actually out, so I'm ready for the next one. When I mean, whenever it becomes free on PlayStation Plus, since it's rare for me to actually buy video games unless it's the NHL franchise, which is just the worst sports game to get into, but I still love it sometimes. 
Okay, so there's also the Uncharted Remaster coming to PC and PS5, which is going to be called The Legacy of Thieves, which I think is Uncharted 4 and also The Lost Legacy, which is the game that just follows the female leads of the story. Okay, almost done. Another one I'm getting hyped for is this new Wolverine game that was just teased at the event. Good news about this, it's apparently going to be for a mature audience, so that guarantees some amount of blood spilling. This game is going to be made by Insomniac Games, and they're another one of those good gaming companies out there. They made Spyro back in the day, they're back to making Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart got some good reviews. They had a team make the Spider-Man, whatever, that Morales version. And they're going to be working on Spider-Man 2, which I think uh, will have Venom in it, along with this uh, Wolverine game, which is a new game completely, so should be pretty sick. One thing that wasn't at the show this year, though, was any Final Fantasy 16 news, and also no Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 news, so we could be waiting until 2023 at the earliest, maybe, for those ones. But anyways, enough about that. Alright, so Apple held their event earlier this week. The main show was the iPhone, but they did show off some new iPads and a new watch too. The Series 7. And if you know me, I used to blog about tech and stuff. But over the past few years, it's been the same thing basically in the tech industry. The phone's faster, the phone has a better screen, even though it looks the same to me. And the camera's better every year. I mean, there aren't huge changes anymore, and phones thankfully last for a long time nowadays. I mean, I still have the iPhone XS Max. Okay, so anyways, they unveiled the iPhone 13 earlier this week, so my phone is now 4 years old, I think. I'm not upgrading my phone, seriously, until the whole front of the screen is... Or the whole front of the phone is, like, all screen. There's a lot of Android phones that do it already and have been out for a few years, but Apple still has that notch at the top of the display. And until that's gone, I'm going to ride this XS Max to the dirt. Or until Apple sends the system update to my phone that'll slow it down completely or whatever. And last but not least, Google has finally launched an official dark mode to their search website. After like 20 years. Yes, Google finally decided to add a dark mode setting to their Google search. I know that's not the most interesting news, but man, dark mode is usually so much better than all of that white, that white light, especially if you're on your computer at night. If you open Google late at night, you better already have your brightness setting pretty damn low because it's literally just white space. It's one of those things you might not think about every day, but... Just imagine how much electricity or whatever could have been saved over all the trillions of searches throughout history since Google's inception or whenever it was invented. How much electricity could have been saved? Although honestly, I don't even know if white, if having a white or a black screen actually makes a difference in electricity used. I have no idea. Is it one of those things where like if the pixel's on then it doesn't matter what color is displayed? I have no idea how that works. But regardless, it definitely would have saved my eyes probably thousands of times over the years. I run dark mode on anything whenever possible. I think Android and iOS have had it for years now, so it's just so much easier on the eyes. Question 1. 
I'm on a low carbohydrate diet. How should I time my carb intake? Should it be more even throughout the day, more in the morning, or more at night? So, alright, this was asked by someone who's trying to lose a bit of weight right now. I assume, since they're on a low-carb diet. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to gain weight on a low-carb diet, so this person is trying to lose a bit of weight and their diet has a low amount of carbs in it. So, they're just asking when they should be eating their carbs. Should you split it evenly throughout the day? Maybe 20 grams of carbs per meal or something like that? I mean, I don't know how many meals this person is eating, but let's assume three meals, and by low carb, they mean 60 grams of carbs, which is already pretty low. I mean, unless you're going no carb or like a ketosis or keto route, that method I don't usually suggest though, unless you have other kind of health issues where you have to do some kind of ketosis. But in terms of weight loss, going keto or cutting out carbs completely just isn't really ideal. So low carb, okay, this likely means under 150 grams of carbs, maybe even 150 grams of carbs could be low for you depending on who you are. So let's just go with 100 grams of carbs as being low for this example. And the person also did ask what time of day to eat those carbs, so we'll have to cover that as well. So in terms of timing, when it comes to consuming your carbs on a low carb diet, If you're working out on that day, I think it would be smart to time your carbs around your workout. It's a good idea to have carbs before and after training. I would generally prefer having my carbs around my workout because, simply put, carbs are energy at the end of the day and performance is going to be linked to your glycogen stores, which is the main fuel source during exercise. Having carbs before the workout will increase your performance because you will have more energy available. And afterwards, I also think it's smart to ingest some carbs as well, and that's to restore your glycogen stores. That'll help you start that recovery process. Of course, protein is ideal there too. That's the building blocks for muscle. Again, probably around your workout for that day for performance and recovery benefits. In terms of the rest of the day, I think just do whatever you want. I think planning your carbs around the workout would be the smartest solution if you are able to do that. And then the rest of your carbs, just toss them in whenever. So if, for example, you were having 100 grams of carbs daily, maybe do something like 30 to 40 grams of carbs both before and after the workout. Then split the rest up throughout the day whenever you want. You're going to have to figure out what works best for your own body. So there is going to be some individuality there. So find what works best for you is basically what I'm saying. If you are looking to lose weight, it's also smarter to have your carbs earlier in the day because that gives you all day to basically burn it off. So this works perfectly if you work out in the mornings because you're having your carbs earlier in the day. And plus, they're also around your workout schedule. If you have your carbs right before bed or in the nighttime, you might, be, uh, you might not be doing as much activity after having that meal. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't lose weight, because that depends on total calorie intake versus output or whatever. But there is a slightly higher chance that you'll keep some of those carbs on you. So this is another one that does kind of depend on the individual and how their life is right now. 
I'm just assuming you work a job during the day, you get off around 6 p.m., so hopefully you can work out before work. But I mean, if you are low carb and work out at night and time your carbs around that, you could do a bit more carbs before your workout and just do something like 20 grams uh, of carbs before bed. Again, all of these numbers are subject to change depending on exactly what low carb means, but I think you get the idea there. So if you are on a low carb diet, time your carbs around your workouts for that energy and recovery, uh, the benefits there. In regards to timing throughout the day, maybe, maybe on something like a day off, it would be smarter to have your carbs earlier in the day. Again, if we use that 100 gram rule, maybe something like 40 grams for your first two meals, so breakfast and lunch, and then maybe 20 grams for dinner. Something like that would be better in terms of possible weight loss benefits, but again, that's not going to be a huge deal. It's only going to be a minuscule difference. I'm talking like 1% to 5% different, like difference there in terms of weight loss over time, so... Just time your carbs around your workout and try to eat them earlier in the day if you can, if you are looking to lose a little bit of weight with a low-carb diet. Question 2. Should I be doing touch-and-go deadlifts? Alright, so I actually got this question in the gym from someone who was in there deadlifting beside me. We just had a little brief talk about how you should perform deadlifts because... I was doing dead stop deadlifts, which are deadlifts where you're doing a full reset when you bring the weight down to the floor, and you'll just stop at the bottom for a split second at the end of the movement. And then there's what he was doing, which were touch and go deadlifts. So the difference with these is that when you're lowering the weight down to the floor, as soon as the weight touches the ground, you just immediately go into the next rep, so the bar is basically constantly moving. So sometimes you'll see touch-and-go deadlifts done at the gym where people are like violently slamming the weight on the floor and using that bounce off the floor for momentum for the next rep, basically. So I don't think touch-and-go deadlifts are just all bad, but would I advise any of my own clients or anyone I know to do them? Probably not. I can't really think of an advantage of a touch-and-go deadlift versus a dead stop or a full reset deadlift. Some things you could say in favor of the touch-and-go deadlifts could be things like maybe a constant tension on your muscles, but other than that, I don't really think there's any other pros when it comes to doing these. So it would be smarter then, at least I think, to do your deadlift. Drop the weight with some kind of control. Don't just let gravity take it down completely. Lift the weight off the floor with good form. Drop the weight with a little bit of control. And then when it hits the floor, take a half second to make sure that you're ready to pull again for the next rep. Touch-and-go deadlifts are usually fine, honestly. Like I said, they're not horrible to do, but if you're dealing with a weight that's heavy for you, just think about it. Uh, Those touch-and-go deadlifts could increase the risk of injury a little bit. And that's because if you have a lot of weight in your hands, and then you slam it off the floor so that you can use momentum for the next rep you'll eventually run into a problem where you slam it off the floor and one side just touches the floor before the other side, kind of throwing you off a little bit, and then you're pulling the weight with kind of a little imbalance. I mean, obviously that could increase the risk of injury. 
I don't think touch-and-go deadlifts are worth it unless you're really experienced with it and you're just doing them when you're warming up or something like that. To be honest, I never do touch-and-go deadlifts because I feel pretty inexperienced in the deadlift still and I can do over three plates consistently and that's not, that's not a humble brag or something like that. But still, I never do touch-and-go deadlifts really even when warming up, because I do think that it's important to do that full reset at the bottom, and it's good to be there at the bottom. Just make sure you're using the proper muscles for the lift. Make sure your spine is in a neutral position or in a good position for you, as opposed to just bouncing it off the floor and using that momentum. And you're also making sure when you do the dead stop deadlifts that you're pulling the bar when it's actually level on the ground. Personally, my gym doesn't have platforms and the ground is really off or not even level in some places. Like there are sometimes I'm walking in my gym and I, I just trip on nothing just because there's like a hole in the floor, like a random hole. So yeah, sometimes like it's not even level in some places. So even sometimes in between sets, actually, if I have some weight on the floor ready to deadlift, I'll walk away, grab some water. I'll come back to, <laughs> oh my god, sometimes I go and grab a water and I look at my, like, deadlift, there's like two and a half, like, plates on the bar and one side is just rolling away, <laughs> so that would be a little minor factor as well. So, more benefits of the full reset with the deadlifts, you'll be pulling with better technique for sure if you're resetting and taking that split second between reps to make sure your body is in the proper position before you lift hundreds of pounds, potentially. You can also readjust your grip if you need to in between reps. And at the end of the day, you're gonna be stronger when you do a full reset, unless you're using something like bumper plates off of a platform and really seriously using that momentum for the next rep. You will be stronger when you do a full reset because you'll have more control over what muscles you'll be using and you'll be able to breathe a lot easier when you're performing every single rep. So if you are currently doing touch and go deadlifts, I think it is time to try to transition over to full reset or dead stop deadlifts where you're resetting at the bottom of the movement. That'll reduce your chances of injury pretty significantly. You'll be stronger and you'll be doing the movement with much better form. So. Honestly, that last one line alone should have pretty much convinced you enough already, honestly. And that concludes episode 53 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. <laughs>